Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. Welcome to today's edition of The Plum Line, brought to you by Reasons for Hope, training and equipping a new generation to stand boldly on the Word of God. You can find information about them at r4h.com. That's the letter R, then F-O-R-H dot com. I'm your host, Jay Rudolph. Our topic today will be modesty from a biblical perspective as Each and every day on the Plum Line, we tackle a different topic or issue from a biblical worldview. And I sure appreciate you tuning in. I'd love to hear from you as well. You can contact me at this email address, theplumlineradio at gmail.com. Plum is P-L-U-M-B, theplumlineradio at gmail.com. Stay tuned. Open Door Financial was founded with the inspiration of using biblical wisdom to create financial plans and investment strategies that lead to financial peace and build the kingdom of God. We guide families and small business owners on how to save money, reduce taxes, get out of debt, build enough retirement income, and be more generous. We help you discover God's plan for your finances and fulfill your God-given dreams and purpose. Call Jason Batt at Open Door Financial at 619-794-7133. That's 619-794-7133 or visit opendoor-financial.com. Securities and advisory services offered through Centaurus Financial, Inc., member FINRA and SIPC, a registered broker-dealer and registered investment advisor. Open Door Financial and Centaurus Financial are not affiliated entities. Support for the Plumline Radio Ministry is provided by Lori Hammer, functional nutritional therapy practitioner and neuronutrition expert. Lori specializes in brain balancing and hormone health. Whether you're struggling with anxiety, depression, brain injury, or hormone disruption, Lori is the practitioner for you. She sees a wide variety of clients throughout the world, virtually or in person. You can find more information about Lori at LoriHammer.com. That's L-A-U-R-I-E Hammer.com. On today's edition of The Plum Line, I'm your host, Jay Rudolph, and I am excited to be joined by a first-time guest with me and one that I will likely want to have on much more frequently, I have a feeling. Her name is Elizabeth Urbanowitz, and she is the founder of a ministry called Foundation Worldview. And so I'm going to kind of start off by having her share a little bit about Foundation Worldview, and then we're going to talk about modesty from a biblical worldview as we tackle a different topic from a biblical worldview on every edition of The Plum Line. And so welcome to the broadcast, Elizabeth. Oh, thanks so much for having me on today, Jay. It's a joy to be with you. Yeah, and as I said, I want to hear a little bit about Foundation Worldview. It was a new ministry to me. I just kind of searching on the Internet, as I do a lot of times, to find oh, new guests and topics to cover and things like that. And I wanted to do something on modesty. And you had a couple of great podcasts, and so I read through the transcripts from those. And, in fact, I'll direct people as we do this to go to foundationworldview.com, and you can find a couple of blog posts that I'm going to be focused on, both dealing with modesty. So I think if you go to foundationworldview.com and just put in modesty in the search uh, there, and you'll find these same articles. You can follow along with what we're talking about here. But tell us a little bit about Foundation Worldview, if you would. 
Yes, so we are a ministry that desires to equip Christian adults, so specifically Christian parents, but also Christian educators and church leaders with the skills that they need to equip their kids to carefully evaluate every idea they encounter and understand the truth of the biblical worldview. Um, And we kind of got started, um, not accidentally, I guess you could say providentially, but it just wasn't, it was never my life plan to start this ministry. But I was teaching third grade at a Christian school just outside of Chicago. And several years into my teaching experience, I noticed that my students, they came from these great Christian homes. I was giving them a biblically-based education all day long. Most of them were fairly involved in a local church, but they were rapidly absorbing ideas from the culture without any question. And that just led me on a journey of looking for, okay, what skills do I need to equip these children that God has placed in my care with so that they can evaluate these ideas and not absorb these faulty worldviews that truly understand the truth of the biblical worldview. So it's a joy to get to spend my time in this way and to to equip others to get our kids thinking carefully and biblically. Fantastic. So Elizabeth, let's get into our topic here then. And obviously you address lots and lots of different topics and I've appreciated getting to visit the website a little bit and get familiarized with some of the many things that you cover, many issues, and hopefully we can continue, as I said, and do more discussions on uh, the plumb line about a variety of issues. But modesty is the one that I have been wanting to tackle and have had a little difficulty finding a guest to take that on here. And I think part of the reason might be that for a long time, and I don't know that it's this way anymore, but for a long time, I know it seemed like it was just over-talked about, I guess. And and maybe you could start off and kind of comment about that, because you being a young lady, uh, maybe you noticed that. (laughs) It seemed to be talked about a lot more than maybe it is nowadays. Yeah, I do agree that I think probably in maybe the 90s, you know, early 2000s, that the concept of modesty was more at the forefront of our conversations in Christian circles. And I think, you know, to some degree, it can be a good thing to think about that, because if we're trying to think biblically, you know, the Bible does talk about modesty. I think one of the weaknesses of the way modesty has been talked about in the past is it's been a little bit reductionistic and has simply been focused on how are females to dress or not to dress. And that certainly is a part of modesty, you know, how we present ourselves in our dress, but it's not a holistic understanding of what all does modesty encompass and why does God actually call us to present ourselves modestly? That I think we need a more deeply rooted biblical understanding of that. So I think, yes, it was talked about more in the past. I think it probably could be talked about a little bit more in the present, but we need to make sure we have a thorough biblical understanding of the topic. Mm, Yeah, exactly. And in order to start with the right foundation here, we need to recognize that a lot of our discussion that we're going to have over modesty is really built upon the fact that if we men and women alike are going to live, uh, you know, modestly, it's because we want to please our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. That's really the basis of this. And so I I wanted to start there, and it's kind of how you start uh, one of the blog postings that I'm looking at here, too, is that reality that, and I hope, you know, those tuning in uh, have a relationship with Christ, but we don't know that. We don't know who's flipping through the Mm -hmm. dial and maybe tuning into this. So I want to start basically with the gospel and what it takes to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, if you would do that for us. Yeah, so, I mean, the basics of the gospel are understanding that God is our creator and sustainer, that He created us in His image, that God is good, and that He gave us as humans a choice. He gave our forefathers, Adam and Eve, a choice that they could choose to love and trust and obey Him, or they could choose to love and trust and obey themselves and rebel against God. And when given that choice, that's what Adam and Eve chose. They ate from the fruit of the tree that God commanded them not to eat from. And when they did that, they became sinful, and God cursed the ground. And now as their children, we have all inherited that sin 
nature. And even though that's not a very comfortable thing for us to talk about, especially in our current cultural context, we all just inherently know this, that we feel guilty when we do certain things. And we tend to think that we can pay for our own sin, that, you know, like if we do a bunch of nice things, <laughs> you know, that we can somehow make that payment for our sin, but we've sinned against the Holy God. And so, you know, all of the nice deeds in the world cannot make up for that sin. That's what is very clear in the Bible. And What's amazing and so incredible about the Christian worldview, about the Christian gospel, is that God does not ask us to atone for our own sins, that God himself, God the Son, came in human form, and he lived a perfect life that we could never live, and he died in our place on the cross, bearing the weight of God the Father's wrath toward our sin. And now anyone who turns from that sin and trusts in Jesus can be born again unto new life and forgiven. It's just the most amazing and beautiful and incredible story. And when we turn from that sin and are brought to new life in Jesus, God the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. We are reconciled to him, and we are given the promise that we will one day live with him forever in the new heaven and the new earth. And so that's in a real nutshell the gospel. Yeah, thank you so much for that. And friend and the listening audience, if you're one of those who maybe, as I said, has just flipped through the dial and tuned in, maybe you never heard the plumb line and just wanted to hear what we're talking about on this subject of modesty, but you don't have a relationship with your Creator through Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the perfect, sinless Savior, then reach out to me because I'd love to speak with you more about this. I understand that we're just kind of presenting this here, and it may be the first time for some of you to hear this, or maybe you've it many times and never taken that step of committing your life to Jesus Christ, reach out to me at this email. I want to get together with you and discuss this more because it's the most important decision that you will ever make. That email is radio at gmail.com. Plum is P-L-U-M-B, a B at the end of the word plum, theplumlineradio at gmail.com. Com. I would love to hear from you. And Elizabeth, as we continue on this here, you mentioned something about modesty being more than just how we dress. And so I wanted to have you kind of do a definition for us, I guess. When we're talking about modesty, it encompasses, as you said, more than just the, the dress, what we wear. So tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah, well, I think, you know, a holistic definition of modesty is not drawing undue attention to ourselves. So really living in line with reality. So the opposite of modesty would be immodesty, which would be rooted in pride. So thinking more highly of ourselves than we ought. So if we are being modest, we are going to be living in a way where, you know, like we're happy, healthy individuals who are, you know, like using the skills and abilities that God has given us and enjoying those things and trying to love God and love others rather than trying to draw undue attention to ourselves. So I would just say a basic definition of modesty is not drawing undue attention to ourselves, you know, and as you said, that applies to all area of life, you know, like, it, yes, it can apply to dress. It can also apply to the way that we speak about ourselves, the way that we carry ourselves, um, you know, the way that we interact with others, all of those things can either be modest or immodest. Mm. And that's interesting because that really reminds me, too, that as I said kind of at the outset, that modesty, a lot of times, at least as a man, I know I've thought of it in terms of women and how they dress. But modesty, with that proper definition, is very, very applicable to men and women alike. Mm -hmm. Yes. 
And that brings me to two verses or two sections of Scripture that you knew, I'm sure, were going to come up and that you can't talk about this subject without bringing these two up. First Peter 3 and First Timothy 2, and I don't know if we have time in this opening segment here to get into both of these, but I'll start with First Peter 3. That's probably the most common of all. And I want to bring this up right away because with that definition that you just gave, these verses fit so very appropriately because a lot of times we look at these as just talking about clothing, but if you really read them and interpret them properly, they're talking about a whole lot more. I'm going to go ahead and read First Peter 3, starting at verse 1 and just a handful of verses here. It says, Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. There we are with what you were saying about modesty, how we conduct ourselves when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. And wish I had more time to continue with the full context, because then he goes in to talk about the holy women of the past, like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham. And there's a whole discussion, as well as the husband's role as well, there in First Peter 3. So I encourage those of you in the listening audience to pick that up and read it for yourself so you get the full context. But wanted to have you comment a little bit on that, and I'm sure that's one that obviously comes up when we talk about this particular issue. Yes, absolutely, because it's a passage that is specifically talking about modesty. And as you mentioned, you know, like we look at Scripture in the whole context. And First Peter is a book all about Peter addressing Christians who are going through trials, who are being persecuted for their faith. So First Peter is basically an instruction manual for how do we live faithfully in a hostile culture. And one of the ways that we do this is through modesty, through having a correct understanding of ourselves, through making sure that we're not drawing undue attention to ourselves. And, you know, the majority of scripture is written to men and women alike, you know, that God has told us the same thing. However, there are these sections in scripture where God specifically singles out women or men just because of one, how we've been designed and two, from the fall, just certain sin tendencies that we tend to fall into. And so because this section of scripture, you know, is specifically addressing women, particularly wives, here we need to pay attention to, okay, what what is specifically told here, you know, and why is that told here? You know, and so women are specifically told, you know, to conduct themselves with modesty and to not have their adornment be merely external, you know, but to make sure that that adornment is the hidden person of the heart, you know, with that imperishable beauty. And so we need to pay attention to that and say, you know what, modesty applies to men and women alike. But from this passage of scripture, we can see, you know what, especially women, you know, are given this instruction about modesty in dress. And the purpose is not to control women. It's not to, you know, like subject them under some authority that's not God-given because God has given certain authority structures. But to say, you know, women are going to struggle with this. You know, we're going to struggle to want everyone to be paying attention to us because of how we look. And so we need to say, oh, you know what? Actually, we need to pay attention to this and think through, okay, is how I'm dressing, is how I'm presenting myself, is how I'm speaking, is this drawing attention to me or is it putting the focus on God, which is, you know, where that attention should be? So I think that's something really important to think through, you know, as we read through this passage in First Peter 3. Mm. Uh, there are a lot of other aspects of this, too, that I want to dig into, but we'll do that in the next segment here as we look at First Peter 3. And also, I mentioned I'd bring up something from First Timothy chapter 2, so we'll do that, too, with my guest here. 
and it is Elizabeth Urbanowitz, Foundation Worldview founder on the Plum Line today. We're discussing modesty from a biblical worldview, and I appreciate you in the listening audience tuning in. Thank you so much for supporting the Plum Line, and you can find out how you can share a gift of support by emailing me, theplumlineradio at gmail.com. Or you can go to the National Ministry sponsor, Reasons for Hope, at r4h.com slash theplumbline. Letter R-F-O-R-H dot com slash theplumbline. And you'll find all the information about station listings and how to support there as well. Stay tuned. More to come. Support for The Plum Line is provided by these fine business sponsors. EPS Wealth Management of Phoenix, who serves clients in several states. Call them for a no-cost, no-obligation conversation about your financial concerns. 623-537-3657. Support for The Plum Line is also provided by Simple Turn. Their online health resources teach your kids how health really works and how to avoid 90% of chronic disease. Get your family's free health course at mysimpleturn.com. And by Charles McLucas, Jr., founder and CEO of Charitable Trust Administrators, Inc. Learn about the benefits of a charitable remainder trust at ctai-ca.com. Life can be tough, and sometimes we all need a helping hand. That's where Integrity Counseling Group comes in. At Integrity, we're not just counselors. We're your companions on the journey of healing. We believe in restoring connections with yourself, with your loved ones, and with your faith. With three welcoming locations in Mission Valley, Carlsbad, and San Marcos, plus convenient telehealth services across California, we're right by your side, San Diego. Visit us at integritycounselinggroup.com or call us anytime at 760-283-7000. 760-283-7000. Thanks for joining me for The Plum Line. I'm your host, Jay Rudolph. My guest is Elizabeth Urbanowitz, and she is founder of Foundation Worldview. We're talking about modesty from a biblical worldview today on the plumb line and as i mentioned at the outset you can follow along and check out some of the information that we're discussing at foundationworldview.com and elizabeth i uh, wanted to kind of continue on first peter 3 and then i'll pull in uh, that scripture from first timothy 2 as well but when we look at the description here one of the problems that i see is if that we are focused on the outward adornment and wanting to attract the sight of people uh, looking at us for that, uh, what we're wearing or how we look, then we're missing out on the more important aspects. And that's why it says in verse 4 that what we should be attracting is people to see the inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight, as it says in verse 4. And when someone dresses in a manner to attract just the eyes rather than the heart of the person looking at them, that's what happens is they, they see the exterior instead of the inner self. Yeah, and I would agree. And I think one thing that's so important for us to remember in this is that God is the creator and sustainer of all reality. And so when he commands us to do something, it's because it actually reflects him. That at Foundation Worldview, when we're you know working with little ones, kids like four to seven, we say that God is the source of truth and he is the source of right and wrong. That right is anything that aligns with God's character. Wrong is anything that contradicts God's character. And so a lot of times we might read a verse, you know, like this, these verses in first Peter three and kind of bristle, you know, and think like, Oh, who is somebody else, you know, to tell me what I can and cannot wear or how I'm to carry myself. But we need to remember reality that this is a command from God and God's commands stem from his character. And they're always for our 
good. So this chapter isn't telling women, you know, that they need to sit there and never say anything and be lifeless and have no personality. But it is saying that when we put the focus on who God is making us into and actually drawing others to Him, that that is true freedom because we are living in line with reality. So I think that when we're talking about, you know, a concept like modesty, you know, it can be a little bit more sensitive, that it's not so much about the do's and the don'ts, that yes, there are those do's and don'ts, but it's actually about living in line with how God has designed us and realizing that that is where true freedom lies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, amen. Well, and much in the same way that Peter wrote uh, here in First Peter 3 that we've been quoting from, Paul uh, wrote to Timothy with a very similar message. I'm looking at First Timothy chapter 2, verse 9. I also want the women to dress modestly with decency and propriety, adorning themselves not with elaborate hairstyles or gold or pearls or expensive clothes, but with good deeds appropriate for women who profess to worship God. And I want to especially focus on verse 10 there because that is uh, another reason, I guess we could say, for the type of modest dress is that so that our good deeds are really what is shown Mm -hmm. or, you know, borne out to others rather than our dress style. Yes. And I think that when we really think about it, we can all think of people who, by the world's standards, would not be incredibly physically attractive. But as we've gotten to know them and seen the way that they live their lives and the way that they continually choose to honor God and sacrifice for others, that we can say, you know what, that person is probably one of the most beautiful people, you know, that I know, because that is what true beauty is. And that is why God calls us to that, you know, because we're even told in Isaiah that, you know, in Jesus, when he became incarnate in his flesh, that there was no beauty to draw us to him, you know, physically, you know, even though in most TV shows that depict Jesus, you know, Jesus is like this six four guy with a chiseled chin and this really deep voice. That's probably not what Jesus looked like because Isaiah specifically tells us, you know, that there was no beauty in his form to draw us to him. Yet we know that God is the standard for beauty and what Jesus did, the sacrifice that he made for us is the most beautiful thing the most beautiful action that has ever been done, you know, in the creation of the universe. And so, again, when we focus on these internal qualities of actually honoring God, we know that that's where true beauty lies. So part of the problem then maybe is, and and I'm kind of curious to see if you've dealt with this too in your growing up years, is to convince young ladies in particular of this fact that the inner is more important than the outer, because the world, the culture that we're in is saying exactly the opposite. Yeah, it, it is hard because our culture does say just the opposite. It's all focused on externals. And I think, you know, sometimes it even creeps into the church. I just think about, you know, myself when I was growing up in the late 90s, early 2000s. And, you know, I was constantly told the truth that, you know, it was my honoring of God that was the most important. But then even within the church, you know, even the young men that were growing up in the church, you know, who did they pay attention to? They paid attention to the girls that were dressed very immodestly. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the girls that they wanted to date or that they were interested in. And so it can even be hard, you know, for people growing up in the church that we have to continually have these conversations with our young men and our young women. And, and, you know, as we talked about at the beginning, yes, modesty of dress is very important because it's a key component of living modesty. But modesty involves more than that. And that's something that we need to talk 
talked about with, you know, both our young men and our young women, you know, that we need to have modesty in the way that we carry ourselves and the way that we talk about ourselves, you know, in the way that we interact with others, you know, that we're trying to focus on what's good for the other person rather than how am I going to get people to look at me? And so, yeah, it is, it's going to be an uphill battle <laughs> the whole way because our world, you know, on the side of Genesis three is programmed just the opposite. And it really is a matter of the heart. And so if we're thinking about, you know, wanting to raise a generation that really knows and loves and trusts Jesus, and specifically, you know, that that lives in a way that's modest, we can't just set up external rules. You know, nobody can talk about this because it's immodest, or nobody can wear this because it's immodest. Like, yes, here and there, we're going to need some standards, but we need to really be aiming for the heart. If our children don't love Jesus, they are not going to desire to present themselves in a way that is modest. So we really need to focus on the heart. Yeah. Well, lastly, for this segment, and then we have more to come where I really want to get into in the next edition, some practical aspects and things like that. I'm just realizing that maybe it started to come about as society increasingly rejected the reality that man and woman is each made in the image of God. Is that kind of where we've lost things, the value, our worth being from God, because there's just this lack of acceptance or belief that we're all made in the image of God now? I would say that that's definitely the root of it, because why are we as humans consistently striving, you know, to have attention towards ourselves? Because we think that that's where our value lies and that we somehow have to earn that, that we somehow have to get others to pay attention to us, to give us that value or bestow that value upon us. But I think, you know, you really hit the nail on the head there that the truth of the matter is, is that. Every human being has equal dignity, value, and worth because we are created in the image of the Holy God. So that's such an important doctrine to root our children in. Yeah, amen. Well, I'm so thankful to my guest here, Elizabeth Urbanowitz, the founder of Foundation Worldview. We're discussing modesty from a biblical worldview on the plumb line. And I'm thankful to you for tuning in. We're going to continue our discussion on part two of the broadcast here. So I hope you can join me for the next edition. By the way, if you maybe just tuned in and realize you missed this first part, you can find the Plum Line at places where you go for podcasts, pretty much anywhere you go. If you, In fact, if you go somewhere and don't find it, let me know about it. We'll get it on there as well. But take Spotify, for example. Just go there, put in the Plum Line with Jay Rudolph, and I know they have it available there at Spotify, and you can listen to this edition or 200-plus other editions of the Plum Line there. My email address is theplumlineradio at gmail.com. I'd love to have you reach out to me, and I will get back to you, theplumlineradio at gmail.com. We'll see you next time on The Plum Line. The Plum Line has been sponsored by Reasons for Hope. Check them out at r4h.com.